This is Spoiler Country Presents, a commentary track. Where creators give you behind the scene information on the comics you love. All right, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Ken Regan. That is Mr. Horsley. And today, well, it's another special edition. And it's a commentary track with one of our favorite artists, slash writers, slash movie maker, slash Renaissance man. Slash people. Slash people. Yeah. Stephen Frank. Yeah, this is an exciting one because uh, we're both big fans of his books well, and his, his work in general. Okay, there's a lot of authors out there. And there's great ones. There's good ones. There's few that I would say are master storytellers. And and I, I feel that Stefan is that. He's a master storyteller. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. He's because like as if you listen back to our very first time we ever talked to Stefan, we did, did the silver review on that story. One of the first things I said about it was, "Man, while I'm reading this, I feel like I'm watching a movie. I feel yeah. like the, the panels to me play like a movie, like a script." Well, and that'll make a lot of sense after you listen to this podcast uh, because we go through volume three issue one or if you have the individual issues issue seven right and i would highly recommend anybody who's listening to this to go down to your local comic book shop your lcs and see if they have the trade paperbacks for silver and read those and get into it because they're amazing and then come back and and listen to this or just or you can just listen to this that's fine um if you can't get it at your lcs you can go to darkplanet.com and you can order all this stuff yeah, yeah, and definitely. Even if you don't want to listen to this, and if you are, great. You should definitely pick it up because it's worth reading, hundred percent. Oh my god, yeah. It, oh, it's it's one of the best vampire stories you, you'll ever hear, and it's literally Ocean's Eleven in Dracula's castle. Right, right. It, it is, it is, and it just it, it, it you know, and that's how Stefan. Yeah. It, 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 it it just pulls you in, like as you read, it just pulls you into want more and more and more, and it's just it's one of the one of the greatest stories I've read in the last couple of years. Yeah. So listen to this interview. Johnny, and then go back and and reread what he wrote. And the insight that you get from this interview, and I'm not kidding, guys, and I think we're going to have to do this into into a two-part thing because the interview itself is two hours. It's about two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, it's probably going to be split into two parts because that's a a long episode. Yeah, we're going to break it up into two episodes. So part one gets into the real meat of storytelling and how he kind of attacks it and how he – and how you – when you read the book – uh, what he goes like? I'll give you some insight. Each, every time you turn that page, it's a two-page setup. Okay, so nice. He doesn't do this. Fl- he does a very fluid motion. So when you when you and now that I say that, think about that when you're reading it, because you'll see that he has many acts inside of each page going on. And then when you get down to the thing, you're like, oh my god, now I'm going into the next act, and that makes so much more sense now. I'm excited, man. It's 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 literally a masterclass on on how to write and think and do a comic book in my mind. So there you guys go. So why don't we get into part one of our interview with Stephen Frank? Can you talk about what you're doing for Marvel? Uh, yeah, in the very limited uh, kind of way. Uh, Off the record. I'm working, I mean, I know I can tell you. I I cannot tell you anything of the record that I would tell you on the record. But here's right. what I can tell you. Uh, on the record um so uh, so i'm working on the show uh, what if you know that was announced for phase four 
Yeah. And so that is super fun. Um, awesome. And that's all I can, <laughs> that's all no, I, I remember you said something like that on Facebook. I wasn't too sure if there was more yeah, to it. Yeah. But no, that's no, awesome. No, no. So, yeah. So I'm supervising the animation for the show. Uh, uh, and it's just great to be working on those characters. You know, I mean, as many of us, you know, I grew up with those characters. And, uh, you know, I it's read a, real, a lot of what ifs. Yeah. I, yeah. I read a lot. Yeah. I remember they did. They did a what if Jane Foster was Thor thirty right. years ago, right? You know, right. and now, or maybe longer now, but and now they did a whole series of them that uh, I can't remember the guy's name that wrote it, Aaron, Aaron something. Anyways, yeah, I can't remember, but but yeah, yeah, no, I mean uh, there was so many great ideas that came out of that series, and uh, so I'm dude, I'm having a blast working on it. It's a lot of work. Uh, as everything that Marvel does, you know, uh, MCU, you know, uh, it's uh, everything is super ambitious. So it's, it's yeah. really exciting. I don't know. I can't wait for the uh, I mean, it sounds weird. I can't wait for the Disney Plus just to see all the new content that's going to come out because of it. Yeah. 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 You know, so it's mm-hmm. going to be and what now they 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 own all of Hulu now as well. So they're yeah, gonna have, do they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but it's um, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, apparently going they're going to do a lot of adult stuff on Hulu, you know, more of that oriented, and then the Disney Plus for the family, huh. and then That's they have ESPN Plus. Well, the, you know more than I do. Is all, yeah, it's crazy. All I can say, yeah. <laughs> so what else has been going on, man? You got the uh, the mobile movies come the what, Playmobil, that, yeah, Playmobil coming, coming out at the uh, at the end of the year. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, it's, the trailers it's, look great. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm really happy with the the new ones that just came out, uh, especially the, I mean, a, a few of them that, that are just super fun. Uh, that that was such an interesting uh, adventure because uh, you know people assume that it's a it's a very corporate project because it's based on a toy brand, you know, right. and but it's not at all. It's uh, it was as independent as anything I've ever done. Uh, um, so it's, uh, it was a real fun, uh, uh, environment to work in and a really great group of, group of people, uh, uh, to, uh, you know, to work with. And, uh, it was really exciting. I'm excited for you. I can't wait to, to see it come out. I want to go. Thank to, you. I'm, I want to go and take my, uh, my, my five-year-old to it. Just, oh, he's gonna I, love it's more it. of just an excuse to go see your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he's going to love it too. So it should really be fun. Cool yeah. About, she's you know, she's going to love it. Yeah, no, it's it's really is one of those movies. Like, I mean, you know, it's a lot of movies are like that. But you know, definitely something that kids will really enjoy on one level, and adults are gonna pick up uh, something that's very true to life, like the emotions of it, uh, sophistication in there. That that's really fun. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that one too. All right, I'm gonna do an introduction, and then want to get into it. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. I'm here today with Stefan Frank. He has been on our show quite a few times. You guys, and if you know, if you heard him on our show, then you, of course, you know his work on the Iron Giant. He's got a new one coming out with Playmobil, the movie. But one of his passions is always is and always probably will be comic books. And he's done an amazing one called Silver that's been out for quite a few years. And you'll see Stefan at all the the cons hawking his wares on Silver, and he's got four volumes and I, I don't want to give any any of the actual story away because if you haven't actually read it you're in for a unique and fun ride um all based and all in the realm of dracula but that's that's as much as we're going to do what we're going to do today though is you're going to get a very much of an inside look 
on volume three of the trade paperback issue one or issue seven, if you're doing the individual comic books. And I would, I would really suggest that if you're coming into this today and you haven't read it to go in, read those and then come back and listen to this because you'll get some amazing insights of how issue seven came about and, and where we went. And we're going to really take this like a DVD commentary track and we're going to, and Stefan and I are going to go through the, uh, the book page by page. Stefan, thanks for coming. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, this is, um, this is, this is a lot of fun for me because I always think of, of Stefan Frank as a, as a master storyteller. And I was lucky enough to go to San Diego comic-con. God, it was two years now. And you were the first guy I saw. I've said this story a million times. You're the first vendor I saw. And I spent almost all my money that I was going to spend that weekend. <laughs> getting, Cause I, I saw, I saw the artwork. Oh my God, I, I talked yeah. to you and I saw that. I was like, I gotta have this. And I bought Aww. all the volumes that you had available at that time. Mm. Plus the Rosalind. Well, the Rosalind thing came out, I think was a year later. Uh, the diary. Yeah, I'm trying to remember actually. If it was, yeah, you're right. It came out last San Diego. So yeah. So yeah, and then, so then of course I bought that. that. You know, so I have bought and all the, I've had all my volumes signed by you. I bought the Rosalind diary and a T-shirt. So man, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> no, thank you for coming on <laughs> and, and being a part of this. This is awesome. So I have the book in front of me. Okay. And I so think I. you probably have it in front of you. Yeah. And we're gonna go off. And this is chapter seven. Of right. Hunters and Prey. Right. Silver right. by Stephen Frank. So, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, if people are listening to this, maybe they've um, read uh, up, at least up to this point. And maybe, I guess, even if they haven't, just so they get situated, maybe I'll just give you the basic synopsis, right? So yeah. people know what we're talking about. So, so Silver, um, it's a graphic novel series that takes place. Uh, in an original universe that is inspired by the original Bram Stoker's Dracula universe. But it starts 40 years later into the noir pulp era of the 1930s. And you have this group of con men who team up with this woman who's a vampire hunter to steal the silver dragon, which is a treasure made of silver that's, um, you know, hidden in Dracula's castle. So it's basically Ocean's Eleven in Dracula's castle. But at the same time, uh, it's a big pulp adventure. It's it gets epic. Um, I think the characters are really fun in the sense that um, you know it's connecting with the with like the 30s. You know, in the in the big sense of adventure and monster movies and stuff like that. But also in the genre that doesn't so much exist anymore. That used to be the screwball comedies. You know. Yeah. Uh, like the romantic friendship between like men and women and the, the, their funny banter and stuff like that, you know, and that's kind of yeah, movies like the Thin Man, you know, uh, classic movies like that. And, and so that also harkens to that. But, you know, with a modern sense of character, of course. Um, and so that, that I think that's going to be very important in this issue that comes into play big time. Um, so it started. Yeah. So uh, page one. Uh, actually, so the, the, one of the re- the reason I like this issue too uh, is because it's right in the middle of the movie, you know. And as you know, middles of movies is this, those are the hardest uh, 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 sort of sections to write because you know you, at that point your like whole introduction, your way into it, the fun of you know just meeting the characters for the first time, all that stuff played out. Hopefully you have a big exciting ending at the end, but now you're in the middle. And what's happening? So you have 
a, a lot of specific stuff needs to happen, but the characters also need to really evolve, and you really need to deliver on, uh, uh, you know, on on those character setups that you've created. And the thing with this issue, by the way, is uh, it's uh, something like sixty-seven pages or something like that, yeah. um, and which is insane for uh, an issue. But uh, it's because it's also it's built around that massive, you know, I'm gonna say mid midpoint in the midpoint, you know, set piece in the story. So you have everything that's happening in this issue where. You need like a giant set piece to kind of be, be the tentpole of your movie. You know, people would think about the middle of the movie and how funny it was. You know, it didn't die 20 minutes in. They're going to remember that set piece. Uh, um, so spectacle-wise, it has to be really dialed up. Right. Also, like I said, yeah, go ahead. No, right. I was agreeing with you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and so uh, yeah, and also the characters also you need to be delivering on the the promise of their relationship, yeah. and, the, and there's different relationships at play in this. So that was that was the funnest issue, like the meteor, you know, issue to really get into. Yeah, there's some the haunting same- imagery in this issue as well. And then there's some amazing action sequences in this issue. Yeah, I mean, there's like an action sequence that I think it's 42 pages straight of the play-by-play without dialogue almost. So that, that's... <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. That's you can fun. see it in your mind's eye as you're watching. That's one of the lovely things about comic books as a whole is the fact that they can show extreme elegance in the action with a minimal amount of effort, yep. you know, where yeah. you're, you're going through and you know exactly what's happening as you're going in. And like you said, you have like four or five pages or something of just action happening. And, and it just, but it, it brings the story along where you know what's happening. It's, yeah. it's awesome. And really there, there's two, I mean, there's really two, two kinds of ways to do the action, right? Because, you know, one of the big concept in uh, comic book storytelling is the, you know, compressed storytelling versus decompressed storytelling. And the idea being that, you know, in the old days, you know, people like Kirby, could do like a giant, um, you know, cosmic epic in 18 pages and uh, 18, like one eight. And, and you're like, what? You know, and that's barely an issue, you know, and yet it was this gigantic story. And, you know, because everything was very compressed, um, the, the imagery was not really following hardly the play by play of the action, but more like presenting concept and twists one after the other. And of course, there was a lot of, um, you know, words to kind of bridge the gaps and stuff like that. But then uh, in the 80s, you know, when, you know, the graphic novels of the 80s and stuff like that, they started to decompress storytelling where you actually, uh, you know, get to follow the the play-by-play of things. Like, oh, he's holding the gun, she's losing the gun. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like as you're, you know, watching a game. And so you're involved in the specifics of the action. And so, of course, knowing when to compress and where to decompress is really about where you are in the story and what type of sequence you're doing. So this is the big set piece, action set piece in the middle of the story. So everything is decompressed to the max. So you're literally following every every play in the game. And and so that's that's why it's uh, 67 pages. Yeah. And we open up with uh, two characters in coffins. Right. Having a conversation. Yep. And so what's go going on here? Well, so, you know, one of the main two characters uh, in the story, you know, are Finnegan, who's this uh, uh, 
you know, master con man, you know, like uh, no attachments, no, you know, just, uh, uh, um, you know, and through the course of this adventure, like one of the, the it's the long con, right? So you, you need all sorts yeah. of players in your, on your team. And so he's got this one kid who has a special gift that I'm not going to uh, talk about. Maybe I will later. I don't know if, if I should or not. This might fall into spoiler, but again, I'm assuming right. people have read the series. So right. anyways, so they're having this, really what's happening here is um, little by little, Obviously, you know, he becomes a surrogate father father to the kid, which is the last thing he wants to do and this, the last thing he thinks he's able to do. So the, the, the episode starts with uh, um, this, uh, this conversation between the two. Uh, and so as it was written, it was just like three pages of dialogue, you know. And so comics, just like movies, you know, are a, a visual medium. So... I'm, I'm looking at my own script and it's three pages of dialogue and the dialogue does everything it needs to do. And of course yeah. you can act it out, but I'm like, but how can I make this visually weird and unique? Yeah, and because there's a lot of great camera angles. I don't know how else to put it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, so like the idea, because they're, they're at that point, they're passing themselves for vampires and they're, you know, in Dracula's prison on purpose. Cause that's part of the con. Yeah. Um, and, and so I was like, you know what? They're in coffins and they're talking coffins to coffins and you're seeing uh, um, two coffins talking to to each other, basically. And one is small, kind of, you know, child size, which is always a very eerie thing to, even yep. though you don't think about it, when you see this, it it has a, like, wait, you know, is this a small coffin? You know, it's so... Uh, but of course, you know, you see dialogue coming out of it, so you know no one's dead, but it's it's it has powers in it. Well, even though these two are, at, by this point in the story, they've known each other long enough, but they're not, it's not like it's years later, you know, it's weeks later. Yeah. And and the boy is very much looking at Finnegan as a, as a father figure. Yeah. And he's having a very hard emotional time, and that's what we'll, I, I think we can leave it at that. And they're having a very intimate father-son style conversation and you know somebody's worried that they're not going to be there for the long for forever and yeah. so it's 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 very poignant when you when you when you go through it because finnegan comes across he acts like like he doesn't care about nothing that right. it's all about the con but you could tell there's a twinkle in his eye that he does care about everybody that's in his on his team and it's 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 beautifully done and you see them walking through or uh, opening up the, the coffins and going through each side. And you're and you're doing the camera angle where you're coming across the right side of of uh, the, sh- the shoulder from inside the coffin on page two. And you can see him, um, you know, talking to the other coffin as he's going, having that conversation. Yeah. And, and then, of course, on page three, actually getting up and the child. Um, I don't know if you want to say and being embarrassed by the, how the conversation's going and what's going on slamming his coffin shut again yeah i think his 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 uh emotionally he's upset so he kind of you know it's just like, i don't want to deal with this you know yeah and it, it's you know it's fear uh and, and the thing is that well i guess we, we should be a little bit more specific otherwise it's not going to make any sense to people but so uh the 
without giving everything away, the, the thing is, the kid, uh, uh, what happened in the previous issue is that, you know, the, you know, I mean, originally, like earlier in the series, the kid's like, yeah, of course, I'm part of the team. I want to be on this team. You know, I have special talent and uh, I can totally help you guys, you know, pull this off. And, you know, and they do need that. But when push comes to shove in the previous issue, so in issue six, and, the, the, you know, they make it, but really like by the skin of their teeth. Yeah. And the kid realizes that all of a sudden this is real. I could die. I, I don't want to die. I'm just a kid. I don't want to die, right? So right. now they're in this cell together. They're, they're bonding together. Uh, he's becoming more and more of a father, as you said, caring for the kid now, you know, as much as he says he doesn't, he does. Right. And But yet he has to send the kid over to perform the next part of the plan, which is to go on his own, appear in front of Rashkash, who's like Dracula's... Uh, you know, number one, you know, like go to guy, you know, uh, yeah. and uh, so, you know, and how do you so he needs to build the kid up enough so the kid can actually go do this mission and survive it. Right. Have the bravery to, to actually pull it off. Yeah. 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 It's 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 awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I don't want to sound like a fanboy, but, you know, I'm a total fanboy no. when it comes to. Well, reading I, and I will tell you this it's very hard to draw, I think, to draw coffin shapes in perspective. Yeah. So believe it or not, um, I, um, I I built little coffins at the right size, like with like construction paper, and I put them on my desk. Oh, and cool. uh, and I took pictures of the, the right angles and stuff like that. And then, so that I, you know, I took pictures of my iPhone, and by mistake, I sent one of those pictures to a friend of mine. He was like, oh, can you send me a picture, blah, blah, blah. And by mistake, I sent him the picture of the coffin. And he goes like, uh, I received pictures of coffins from you. Is this a threat? Is this what is going on? <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That's cool. So, But you were able to use the coffins to create that sight angle. So you're like, okay, this is the perspective that I want to have from. And then we're able to draw through that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, awesome. and then you, you, you can build a perspective around it, but at least they're the right size, they're the right, you know. Um, I, you know, I could have built everything from scratch, but I would have been like a pain. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's a lot easier to build little, you know, uh, cats and, uh, and, and just take pictures and just uh, as a starting point, you know. Yeah. And then we get into page four and page five. They're out of the coffins, and they have a very poignant conversation about he's born a grifter and that's yeah. him, and that's finnegan giving him the confidence and building him up to feel like i can do this yeah you you know you you're you're a born grifter you know you, you can take him you know yeah uh, uh does he believe that does he fully understand that probably not but uh um you know he he tells the kid and and, and the kid has proven himself as quite the grifter you know but is it too big a job for the shoulders of a kid to, you know, to be caring? That, that's the issue, you know. Um, is the kid going to fold, you know? Right. So Right. And he's imagining Finnegan in the future as well on page uh, four, alone. Well, all right. Can. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, give up the thing here, right? So, right. you know, if, again, if you've read this from the, if you've read the series, you know that, the, re the reason uh, uh, the kid's on the team is because he has this gift of second sight and he can't see the future for certain things, right. except he can't see his own. So 
you know, you know, uh, um, he, uh, um, and there's a point earlier in the story where he tells uh, Finn, hey, you know, uh, it's weird because after this job, I can't see your future and anymore, you know, past this job. And, and Finn is like, well, you know, uh, what does that, you know, what does that mean? And the kid is like, well, you know, basically either one of two things, which is either, you know, uh, um, you, uh, you know, I can't see your future because now you're part of my life. You know, like, you know, I, you basically become my father, you know, yeah. and Finn is like, yeah, that's not happening. Except that the other, <laughs> except the other option is like I'm not seeing your future because you don't have a future at all. Right. And so Finn is like, dude, let's pretend you never said that, and that's in the previous issue. But now they had their brush with death. Um, the kid is about to go on this really dangerous uh, part of the mission, and now he can see Finn's future, who's all sad and depressed in the future, which means that maybe he's the one who doesn't have a future anymore. And so. So Finn has to talk him off the ledge, uh, you know, just, you know, build him up, uh, and so, so let, let's talk because we're talking about beyond just telling the story. Let's talk about the, the visuals and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so those two pages, and I, but you should know, I always work in double page. Not that every image is a double page, but I always want to see what what other page one page is playing off of. So, um, so here's interesting because I think it's, uh, um, which, which one is it? Is this four? Oh, I lost count. One, two, three, four is this one full page where, yep. it, which is doing and something. And the contrast is very, uh, whited out, I guess you could say. Yeah. To yeah, give it that thinking, more of a yeah. memory look or more of a ethereal kind of look yeah mm -hmm. yeah so i wanted to to do like a storenko kind of feel playing with the negative space of the of the the page and uh you know it plays against the reality of uh, which image is real which one is not it, it's yeah fun. honestly Stefan, this is one of my favorite pages and it's not because it it's the simplicity of it yeah but it's because it was the fourth or fifth time looking at that page in detail that i realized that the whole negative space below is the boy talking? Yeah, and then it was like, oh my god, the the to me, I was I was blown away at that point. I was like, that is genius because oh, you're you. looking at that and it looks and you know and you and you have a feeling like you can tell that this is a in the I mean uh, to me you can take it either way it's a memory or it's in the you know it's what the boy is thinking yeah what yeah. he is seeing and you and you're seeing Finnegan eating out of a can and and. You could tell that he's lonely and he's reading a paper by himself and he's got a bottle of whiskey and you can see this is a lonely, dejected man sitting alone in an apartment with the window, you know, not knowing what's going on and just living day to day. But then when you when you really look at it, there's so much more going on. And because at the first when I when I read and I'm pretty sure it's me, the first like three times I read that, I thought it was Finnegan saying that. Yeah. And then when I go back, I was like, oh, my God, that's the boy. And it just and then it hit me what was going on even more. Yeah, I, I thought it was awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was trying to do like a little bit of a somewhere between like Sterenko, Steve Ditko, kind of Doctor Strange, kind of, you know, like those reality bending. Those, kind of, those early Nick Furies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Late 60s kind of stuff, you know. It's all, it, no, it really is good. It's great. It was thank the you. eye that caught me. Yeah. You know, then it brought it all. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> There's so much more in this picture than what you, you know, you can't look at it for for two seconds and then move on to the next 
box. You'll miss yeah. everything that that page is giving you. Yeah. So, and then in contrast, uh, the, the the page in front of it, uh, uh, you know, uh, right on the you know on the right side is a nine uh, nine panel grid. And so, what's really interesting is they have two characters talking. And the thing that I hate on pages is visual repetition, where it mm -hmm. seems like it's the same head over and over, maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit smaller. Um, so. So here I'm trying all sorts of angles. Of course, I'm trying them not to be uh, gratuitous and, and to really like each angle to be, you know, what the moment's about, you know, uh, trying to really get close. Like, you know, when uh, when Finn says, dude, you, you're sharp, you can take anyone. And then he repeats it. You hear me? Anyone. And for yeah. anyone, I'm just getting just closer a little bit. So I'm just trying for the, the reader to... Uh, to feel the emotion and you know you know as you know as you've said I, you know, I come from film and so where the it's not nothing's orthographic you know it's just like where you like in other words the lens the camera you're you you know the 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 weight of the lens on the characters and the way it connects with the subject in itself is i mean it's the eye of the audience it's but literally like literally in terms of in which manner do they participate in this moment? You know, is it like, are they outside looking in? Are they close, but, you know, are judging or are they one with the character? You know, all that stuff I'm trying to get from the the way this is shot. Yeah, you could, the art itself and the angles that you chose and how the close-ups, like you are just talking about, how you try to do different angles, you can tell that the emotion on the page is there and that this is a very important scene of their growing relationship. Absolutely, it's also a very important scene. Uh, not that I'm not going to give away, but yeah, in terms, it sets up a lot of the stuff that happens later in Our, this volume and the next one. When you have this here, and you and you and you wrote this scene out, and you and you drew this out the way you did it, is it done a couple times? I mean, do you have it in your head, or do you map it out three or four times, and you go, "This is the one I, I need to do." Does that make sense? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I usually don't jump around and go back. It's very rare that I, I've, you know, I go back and change something that I did a while ago. I, yeah. I just stay on the page until I feel like it does what it needs to do, then I move on. And it's very rare. And also because I was working from a finished script that had the entire series written, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I knew not only what everything had to do in the moment, but also what it had to do to set up the next thing. So everything is very precisely sort of sort of crafted. So uh, it's your next setup. Yeah. So because you wrote it all out, you you scripted it out, and then yeah. so you see it in your mind's eye as you're writing it out, and you're like, this is this is what it needs. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. All right. Now now we get into who I think is one of the best characters to come along in a long time, and we really get to see Sledge mm. and more of her. Um, how she's interacting with the rest of the team uh, and the action is soon to start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, so yeah. So while the, our guys are locked up in the dungeon, the, this part of the, the, of the team are in the, in the suites that they're all supposed to be, uh, you know, in, and uh, they're digging this tunnel through the walls uh, down to the vaults. Right. So right. that was really, this is really fun to do. Uh, uh, so the, fir the first, the, you know, so the, the left side, uh, so the page on the left uh, starts with like shots of, uh, you know, the empty, 
you know, the, the, empty, uh, the empty halls the castle, and everything. Yeah. The empty halls, and you want that to be ominous and everything, you know. Um, and so, and, and then you, you see that big chimney and the hole with, like, the mechanism and stuff like that. And the thing is that I always try to, to keep things, to find the right balance between things that are, descri- like, drawings that are descriptive and yeah. drawing and a certain abstraction, right? Uh, uh, and really get, you get the feel more than anything. Like, for instance... Because uh, I've, I've drawn this whole like contraption that seems to me like they've put like bars against the walls that are resting against the wall. I can't remember what you what you call them wedges, you know. And yeah, the, the wedges. There's there's hoists. Uh, there's a hoist that's you know. Yeah, you got uh, them breaking um, into the chimney. You've put up a whole um, wood in in a hoist that they can they can pull a, a platform up and down through the yeah, through the wall. That's right, and so. You know, what I try to do is to design this stuff and, and render it in a way that is that is simple, that doesn't get lost into the details, but that really makes you feel like how heavy that thing is and what kind of technology you're talking about. And because sometimes people can get lost in drawing every link in the chain and yet the chain doesn't feel like a chain. Or you can make it a simple shape and, and it feels like a heavy chain. So it's really about shapes. It's all about shapes. You know, when you say that it's about the shape and the, the getting lost in the chain, it was the first time I saw the spaghetti webbing. And, and Todd McFarlane popularized spaghetti webbing with Spider-Man. But it right. wasn't Todd McFarlane that originally did it. It was originally on a poster that he saw. Then I can't remember the name of the artist that actually did it first. But, it mm-hmm. is, but, it's, but it's not Todd McFarlane. Yeah, yeah. And he's one of the first ones to admit that. Anyways... But when I saw that, it blew me away. I'm like, how did they not do this webbing yeah. like that? But now, being I, older, I go back and I look at some of the, those uh, John Ramitas. Mm-hmm. They didn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it looked so good, just what they did and the straight lines that they used. And it, it was so simple, but elegant. And But the rest of it was so well-crafted. You didn't sit there and, and just look at the spaghetti webbing. But you know what's interesting that you just brought up uh, Todd McFarlane. Uh, Ferlane, you say Ferlane? Yeah. Is it? Uh, uh, big, I never know. But because the way I drew chains yeah. is inspired by him. Because like years ago, uh, uh, looking at this uh, Spawn uh, cover, and yeah. cha- there's chains all over the place, and they were so freaking cool. And it was just like, dude. He does not try to draw the. Ch- he's going for the shape. He's going for the, st- you know. And and that's to this day, I, I drew I draw all my chains, and God knows I draw a lot of chains. Uh, <laughs> the way McFarlane does, I, that's I just awesome. think he has a a fun way to approach design. So yeah, I mean it's a different style. It's a lot more, uh, you know, uh, uh, render than all that stuff. But uh, yeah, that's so that's funny. You should bring him up because he's an inspiration for me for. Uh, uh, a certain design element that I think he does that are very, uh, just exciting. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. I, I mean, if you're going to be influenced, you know, there's not very much better than Todd McFarlane, right? Yeah, I yeah, know. <laughs> his, his year two stuff was amazing on Batman Year Two. Oh, looks so good. And, and yeah, and you know, what's funny is uh, if you look at my stuff, you can you could say it couldn't be any more different from what he does because yeah, right. I, I do a very minimal line work. I mean, like I try to you know when I write, I try to write in a way that you can't remove one word. You know, when I can't take out any other word from the yeah. page, then I know I'm done writing. And so it's kind of the same with drawing, which is I'm trying to do it in a way 
and I kind of found it later in the series. Like I think by by this issue, actually, it's it's pretty much you know because the the first issue uh, still not quite you know uh, still has a lot of lines that I think don't necessarily need to be there, but. I tried to get it to a point eventually where you can't remove a single line. Every line tells is you know gives you something that is essential to the story. That's great. Or the the feel. When when you look at the the the, uh, the background that you created, you have the big hall. You have that sweeping staircase that's going up and to the left and to the right. You have the scaffolding. You have sledge holding the ropes and everything. Where did your inspiration come up for with that? with that background stuff so there's two uh, two things i'm gonna say the first one is like one time i read this uh, i think if i read it or somebody mentioned it to me i don't know something that frank frazetta used to say mm-hmm. about his paintings that you know in a painting you don't want to dial everything up to 11 but you need one killer detail i mean you know agree you know agreed his entire painting is amazing but when yeah. you really look at it you see that he keeps it very sort of loose and gestural and there's this one detail that somehow makes it you know what i mean and and, and so when i draw those 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 pages and those things where you're supposed to feel like you're in a, in a castle or you know you, you do want to reach like a specific sort of uh, emotion there you know and so i don't I always feel like one panel and sometimes one page, like I feel like one each page needs one killer panel and one panel one panel needs one killer detail. More than that, you're starting to confuse people or lose your, your point. Right. You can kind of lose them in the detail. Right. So like, for instance, uh, uh, if you look on the right side, like that little panel, there's like a, excuse me, a little silhouette panel where you see sledge, and, uh, and uh, what's uh, Mullins? They're sitting on the pile of rubble, and you see you see that they've built this whole kind of sort of yeah, they got scaffolding uh, like, up and everything. Yeah, scaffoldings, and you know, and so it's a very simple image because it's mostly of, most of it is silhouette. But just going in with the scaffolding and you know just uh, uh, getting into some specific. Uh, um, so it's just things just make that like the fact that that one thing looks feels real. It then it it, it makes the the whole image. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, um, whereas you know I could have detailed a bunch of stuff, but it would not help at all. You know? No, it looks great. Yeah, that's I can see exactly what you're talking about. It just you feel like you're in there, and that it's it's it in a very small picture. It sets up the grand scale of what they're actually doing and where they're yeah. at. Yeah. Yeah, because that yeah, scaffolding you know is huge. What? Yes, and you know what? You're absolutely right. Scale is a it's a key element that, um, and that's what you know. It's always I always ask myself, what is this panel about? You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes it's about the character. Sometimes it's about the character scale in that environment. And so you need to be very clear on what it's about and just go to the one detail that sells that one point you're trying to make. When you when I read through this pages, uh, we're on page six and seven. And when I read through this, I take this as Sledge still deciding if she's believes in who Finnegan is. And she's asking and she's had, and Mullins is telling her things and she's still making that decision. That's how I, how I think it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think she's um, because she has an agenda as we're about to see. So she's not clean either. And he kind of, and Mullins has been around long enough to know that she's not, you know, clean either, right? 
uh, and so so he kind of opens up about Finn, and she's kind of you know, and also I mean like we we talked about. I think it's one of those uh, um, screwball comedy moments, right? Which is like the book never goes to full romance between, right. you know, uh, and it doesn't go on the page. Like maybe like it's happening, that. maybe it's not happening. You don't know. It's none of your business and it's yep. not the point of the story. So, but definitely they're getting involved on, you know, one level or another, right? So she's trying to kind of gauge. Uh, um, so, and, and, you know, so what, what's this guy about? That's just, kinda, you know, I just want to know. And this is also a moment. This is the first moment that really humanizes her because yeah. everything so far with her is bigger than life. You know what I mean? She yeah. keeps that up all as, as a shield, but she keeps that up, you know, anyway. Uh, um, and, and so she kills vampires, does all this shit, you know what I mean? And, and, and he kind of calls her out on it on the, on the, the, the left side, right? Like a space six, I think where, you know, cause she's like, Oh, you know, uh, pickaxe, that's a good idea. Maybe I could use that. She's like, he's like, take it easy. You know, we know I'm paraphrasing the dialogue of hers, but basically right. saying, just take it easy. We, we know, we know you kill vampires. We got that. Just chill. Don't you, you know, like, you know, take a load off, have a beer, right. you know? And relax. so relax. <laughs> and so she and she she yeah, she goes with it and they have this conversation. So she brings up Finn because like I said, she is getting involved with him on some level and uh, uh, and she kind of wants to know. And then, you know, he uh, Mullins is the inside to go like, well, but you're you know, you're not an open book either, are you? You know, you're you two of your dark secrets, don't right. you? And right. we, we end on this close-up of her eye kind of looking back and then answering conveniently, drinking probably her, you know. So, uh, yeah, that yeah. last panel, and she's just kind of looking down and to the left and to the left, and you can see it in her face. Mm. And he's saying, We all have our reasons. And then you know at that point you're like, Oh yeah, she's got some ulterior motives going. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's great. So then we get into page eight and we get the big clock signifying that it's twelve o'clock. Yeah, and, it's good Yeah, and it. <clears throat> there's a part of me that when 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 I when I when I when I, when I w- read this panel for some reason, I think of Young Frankenstein, ah, and, I, and I don't know why. Yes, I, I think I it's it. the I think it's the um, I, I wasn't I wouldn't expect to see a big clock and then just signifying that it's midnight. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. and Young Frankenstein has some scenes where you know it focuses on one thing and then. But it sets the mood, and also so like the art of the the setup, yeah. which is that that clock plays a huge role in the plot at the end. Yeah. So like the question is, how do you introduce that shadow. clock? But in a way that people don't realize, like, oh, clock, better keep an eye on that one, you know. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, it's midnight. Oh, it's a cool clock, you know. But but right. you know, the point is like, shit, it's midnight, and it feels like it's. Uh, it's very, it's uh, reached very ceremoniously, you know. Uh, so, you know, uh, so in this, so really, so this is the point where um, I, I think for this conversation, we don't need to get into the, those details of the plot, no. but uh, of, by the plot, I mean the long con that they're playing on, you know, on the vampires. But this is where Finn and Tao, the kid, needs to meet and Tao only, you know, uh, you know, need to meet with Rashkash one on one. And so it's all about this whole double page is about intimidation. 
you know, there's a clock, it's time, you know, there's authority in that clock. Again, it's a right. setup, but you don't know that yet. What you're saying is like very... It's almost like the guy sitting in prison waiting for the clock to strike. Right. Because he's going to be yes. walked out to the gallows. Right, exactly. Well, that's exactly the vibe. You know, it's ominous, yeah. it's uh, it's official looking, whatever, right? And then all the... the sh- so the, 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 the page eight... Is it eight? Are we on eight? Yeah. Uh, are um, uh, vert- three vertical panels, you know, all the way down the, the page. And so it's all, and all the characters are small or non-existent. And it's really about giving you the scale and feeling, making you feel like these guys are just completely uh, insignificant and um, uh, they're in something that is way too big for them. You know, this is not the, this is bigger than their life for sure. Right. And so they get there, and the next page nine is this um, full page of Rashkash who's like practicing his like uh, kung fu or whatever he's doing with swords, or I mean, like uh, not kung right. fu, but his you know his sword training, if you will, which is probably the only way that he keeps sane because he's this guy who's you know his Dracula's you know number one you know like a right hand man except everything's going off the rail and everything is up for him to fix. This is just like. I feel like he's the most stressful job in the world that anyone could have. And he's dead, just keeps getting... One day, I'm, you know, at some point, I'm going to do short stories that take place in the universe, and it's going to be something like Rush Gash, like very bad, no good day or something like that. You know, because every, <laughs> everybody's got... When, whenever there's a Coming problem, home from work, the wife is just harping him, and he's, the kids are jumping all over the place. Like, whatever <laughs> shit goes wrong in the castle, it lands on his shoes, and he has to yeah. fix it, and, 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 and drags out of control. And, yeah, and yet, he has this um, very strong sense of the rules and the tradition, so he's kind of... That's... That's the only thing that's keeping him sane, but at the same time, driving him insane too, because he seems to be the only care, the only one who gives a shit, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so they come to meet him. There's definitely like a king and I kind of feel to this. I was thinking about that a little bit, like the Yule Brynner kind of, you know, uh, um, you know, like when he meets with the kids, you know, and and they're like, anyways, um, the the so this. So I'm turning the page now, and so mm-hmm. we needed. I needed to get a lot of story across, and also with so enough page play. ten, we're back to that nine panel structure for ten. Yeah. So yeah. nine on this one, and on eleven, it's twelve. Yeah. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, man, because the, you know that that's people think that you know double page like you know like a big splash page takes a long time to do, but actually it goes pretty fast, you know, because it's right. one idea, you know. Here you're talking about what, like twelve plus nine. That's uh, twenty-one different separate ideas that needs to be uh, composed and expressed and so forth. So those yeah. are like my worst nightmare. So uh, when you have when you have pages like this, was it planned out that way that you wanted to put that much on and on two pages, or was or does the constraints of how many pages you need to have that issue to be comes into play? It's a so when I'm writing, I'm not writing for book pages i'm just writing it as a movie script that's the only way i know how to write that way i'm not because i cannot think you know i can tell a story visually i can write a story but it's hard for me to write panel three he goes from a to b i I just don't my brain doesn't work that way right but what i know is that so i write the 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 thing and pacing wise you know it's it works as a written script uh um and then when i when i lay out the book I kind of know how much weight I want to give 
uh, like again, that's that issue is uh, 60, uh, uh, 60 something pages. And we started already with a conversation and it's cool. And it's, you know, it's that's why also I was so hell bent on making that first conversation interesting. And I came up with the coffin, uh, coffins idea. And so now, you know, we have another conversation with, uh, you know, with Sledge and then, and, and, and then, you know, now they're coming to talk to Rakshash. And so I was just like, I, it's my sense of the flow of the book was like, I need to get through that whole beat with one set of the one double page, you know, yeah. otherwise it's going to start to feel like the stories, the, the books not moving fast enough. And then again, uh, my favorite panel on both these pages is an, is a simple panel. It's the third panel on page 11 and it's just oh. Tao by himself and the door slamming behind him. <laughs> and it's so simple, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's not a lot of detail, yeah. but it, it, it it puts the whole perspective of what's happening in that one sec- section. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to to block out these scenes as, you know, again, as a movie or as theater, like especially like in, in a scene like that is very much theater, you know, yeah. where uh, uh, um, there's a, there's a, you can track where the characters are in regards to each other. You can tell their orientation because it's a big deal that for the first half of the conversation, Rakshash not even looking at him. He's on up on his sort of stage doing his his tra- sword training, and the kids by the door, you know, the the door is just slammed behind him, and he's like tiny against those giant doors. Yeah. And they're having this conversation, and the other guy's facing the other way until he says something, and the guy goes, "Oh, really?" And now you can, see, you know, he, he's coming down towards him, and so uh, and then we get into close-ups as he's getting close. Uh, but yeah, I love that it gives you perspective of what's happening. Yeah, you you really like there. You know, there's a, a, a you know, like in film, you would call it beat separation. You know, in the in the sequence where or blocking. You know what I mean? Where uh-huh. you know it, it's it's not just random drawings of people in various talking positions, but there's actually a flow to the the way they exist on that scenic space. That and that, that's the thing too. Um, it may be a grid, which means that you never get to see the whole thing. But if you're consistent with you, how you work with your elements and stuff like that, virtually, like the the mind of the reader kind of assembles all those things, and it becomes this one virtual space that the character exists in. So as long as as you don't deny it by doing something that goes against it, then it, that space is still there, and and you can use it for dramatic uh, storytelling. And you do it great, and then you have your. 12 panels on page 11 yeah and we find we we realize that that mullins is actually there and if you're following along which i hope you are because i think that's the way to to really do this episode is to follow along as we go through this book you'll see that finnegan has been taken away by the guards tau's been left alone and he quickly realized that mullins is actually one of the guards where we realize that mullins is one of the guards i think finnegan's always the master manipulator knows everything that's going on um and they, yeah, and they look down. They're on the on the castle wall, and they look down, and they this see. Is, those. Now we're getting into probably about my favorite part of the book. Yeah, this is where we're now. Where and that's also why I, you know, I needed to get to the action and having that grid. Yeah. It's like you're winding the thing tighter and tighter and tighter. And they see yeah. those kind of asshole kind of uh, um, vampires that I'm kind of playing as sort of degenerate kind of aristocrats, kind of you know, you know, who are yeah. like. On yeah, we horses see, riding away towards a village, you know, this laughing is into bad. the night. 
Laughing going to the, the village. Night. Yeah. And, what and then from this, far away, we see the wall, Sledge. Running on the wall, and they're like, oh, shit, is shit. that Sledge? <laughs> and sure enough, now the action begins. She, uh, she page jumps. Page 12. Page she 12. An unholy leap. I'm like, when I look right. at that leap, I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> she's going to break her legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And of course, she comes down right on a vampire that's on horseback and just annihilates him because you haven't figured it out yet. Sledge is a badass. Yeah. And the <laughs> next panel, she's riding away, and you see like the burned down, you know, like the torch vampire because the thing is silver, you know, kills vampire, you know, she is. So, yep. uh, uh, and like his skull kind of lying across the, the floor, and she's riding away. Yeah, and Page 12 has one of the funniest moments in the book. You see Mullen's eyes go right, right and then and Finnegan's just, well, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's a great scene because it just sets the tone for the rest of the book. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and someone was saying like, uh, uh, oh, you know, so far it's gone without a hitch, but this is not a hitch. It's a full-blown agenda because clearly she's she has an agenda. So, which is of course to kill vampires, and she's not yeah. going to let them uh, uh, vampires in general. But this one Lillian, who's the real villain in the book, she's the, the ultimate villain, I think, in the book, uh, uh, in the sense that she represents the the values of the uh, that the vampires represent in the story. We can talk about that later. But yeah, yeah. And so, meanwhile, we cut to to the vampires who are on their horses riding away. And kind of in the back, Lillian is kind of chatting with this young, I mean, he's old, but, you know, by, you know, young, young looking. looking, exactly, vampire, uh, and who knows more about the ins and outs of the court. And basically, Lillian, uh, uh, she too has an agenda, which is that she wants to marry Dracula because he's supposed to take a new bride, because you know, if you read the book, that is, you know, uh, well, he's been depressed, and they don't. No one, not everyone knows why, and stuff like that. Yeah. And this is when we get into the thing: is that he's not over Mina Harker, who died years ago, but right. who he had lost even before that, and he never got over it. So he's now uh, sort of stuck in limbo, uh, like not knowing who he is, or who he should be, or what he should lean into. You know, right. going back towards the nil. Because the way I'm. I'm um, playing the vampires in this story is their their death. They're the dead who are just masquerading as the you know as the living, you know. Right. And they're not able to love to have like the deeper emotions or anything like that, you know. They only have the base things, you know. Um, and so, like that, that's what she represents. Um, there's a real, there's a moment. Actually, might be one of my favorite scenes as far as uh, scene. Uh, um, in the book, in, in the next chapter, which is her moment with Dracula when she, you know, wishes is going to do like do or die to turn him back towards a very nihilistic thing or or not, not you know. Um, so, but anyway, here she's just getting info, they're riding along. So, the thing you need to know about this is that I'd never drawn horses before, and I was like, holy shit, there's like a whole chase with horses. What am I going to do? So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, and, and I think you asked me a question earlier that I only have answered, which is that research. Yeah. Like I have, you know, I, I'm drawing, you know, I, I draw digitally, so 
I have my one screen, and but I don't draw on the Cintiq. I draw on the flat Wacom tablet. It trips okay. people, and I'm looking at the screen. I'm drawing on the flat tablet, it, and, and it trips people out because they're like, "How do you know what you're doing and stuff like that?" But you know, uh, you know, I was trained as a guitar player, so I play with my oh, right too. hand fingers. Yeah, and so I, I, I've over the you know years, I've very, I know exactly what my right hand is doing. I have a good sense of the geometry of that, so I don't yeah. need to look at it to draw. And so I'm just looking at the screen and I'm drawing meanwhile and not looking at my hand. And on the next screen, when I get into something like this, I get a bunch of um, uh, reference, you know. So, uh, you know, if it's, I'm going to do horses or gallop yeah. or whatever, it's going to find a thousand pictures uh, of horses. I'm going to look at all of them. Then I'll whittle it down to like five that I think capture the the thing, and I, you know. And, uh, and sometimes I do that for... Even like an emotion or like a, like the vibe of a character. Like when I started doing the, the vampires early on as like those kind of... So I, I, I did a search not for vampire because if you do that, what you get is like, you know, you know Halloween yeah. stuff. But yeah. I, I typed, you do Google search like uh, um, corrupt aristocrats or something like that. And you get some interesting images and then you put them all on your screen and you keep looking at them and not one yeah. of them is exactly what you're looking for. But they all have something in common that if you can sort of by osmosis sort of catch that vibe, you know, then there you go. All right, we're back. Well, what'd you think? You know, it's every time I talk to him or hear him, I obviously, as you've all heard, I wasn't on this one because I was supposed to be on it with Kenry to talk with, with Stefan about this about this and go through the commentary of, of the this issue. Right. Uh, but I had i couldn't make it unfortunately but every time i hear him talk about his craft it's just it makes me want to go create more and like take what i've learned and 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 try to incorporate what i can into what i what i do which is it's inspirational you know so he's working on something new right and he's so olive silver was done on the wacom so wacom yeah the wacom tablets yeah or pads and the next one he's doing pencils like like actual pencils. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and and I actually had a conversation and 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 I'll be honest because we're we're cutting this in. So what you guys hear, uh the conversation we have might be on part two. And not not to dispel the myth or the the, the mystery around <laughs> how we do this, but we have a conversation, Johnny, and and I think it's important. I know a lot of artists go out there and they use the Wacom tablets and they do everything. And that's great. You know, yeah. it looks amazing. Uh, but even when I was talking to Stefan, I was like, I, I, I know that there's a love of the art and doing it because you want to create. I get it. But at the end of the day, you're building a brand, you're building a business. And don't you miss out on a secondary market by not doing pencils? Right. You know, and he agreed. He was like, yeah, you know, you, you have to think about that kind of stuff because you're, you know, you're providing for your family and for yourself and, you know, it's a job. It's not 100%. just a love. It's a job. You right. Know? Right. And so to me, it's like, I, I, I love what you, he's like, it just makes it so easy. It's, it's a very hard thing to let go. You know, because, it, because you know, you've had a hard day and you go through and you mess up on one thing on those pencils and all of a sudden you're starting from scratch. 
Right, right. Whereas with the computer or the tablets, you can undo. Like I would do. I've been doing a lot of coloring and stuff work for the, the Eins book on my iPad and yeah. iPad Pro, which has been great. But, you know, it's all just digital and it can just, I can just do a bunch of stuff, mess up and go back. No big deal. Yeah. Which is yeah, nice. But again, there's no traditional work. There's no traditional things that I could then sell at shows. Like I've often wanted, wondered, like, you know, is, is you know, with, with Silver, is a, probably a huge fan base would love to buy those original pages. Me yeah, I would imagine so. I would imagine so. And but I don't know, you know, we'll see what what he what he's coming up with next, which I'm sure will be amazing. And he does have uh, the silver story will continue. Uh, it, it'll mm. be a little while before he gets it back into it because he's got this other project that he's working on that he wouldn't talk about. He just said, "Yeah, I'm working on something <laughs> else." Uh, he's always plays everything close to the vest, and of course, uh, you'll hear on there, or you did hear on there that he's working on what if he's doing some animation stuff with the what if franchise for Marvel. For phase Which is four. awesome. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be amazing. And if you know Stephen Frank, it's going to be animated. And the guy does amazing stuff with animation. So look out for that. That's going to be cool. I'm excited. I was already I was already excited for the What If series coming out. Now yeah. I'm even more excited for it. Yeah. Well, he announced on Facebook that he was be a part of that. So it's it's pretty exciting. It's all exciting. Yeah. You know, it's exciting. We love Stephen. We really do. I don't know if it comes through. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. Yeah, when he's in town or we're in, we're down in San Diego, and every time we see each other, we always try to, to set up de- dinner and 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 have that time. He wanted me to make sure that ex- that he got his love expressed to you and Kaylee to let you guys know that he's thought about you guys. So that's always nice to hear. And um, yeah, there you guys go. We hope you enjoyed that. Look out for episode two, which will come out tomorrow. Right? Sure. Do you want to do that, or how do you want to do this? Um, I like to do I mean, back to back because I I but I'm I'm a binge watcher. I don't like waiting right. for things. Back to then tomorrow it is. But we're doing back to back. There you guys go. So tomorrow, look out for track two. It's going to be amazing. More insight on Silver issue seven, or if you're get the trade paperbacks like I did. Uh, of course, I got the slip cover. I got them all signed. I bought. Yeah, me I bought too. the T-shirt. I bought the Rosalind type. <laughs> the whole thing. I bought it all, but. Seriously, follow along if you if you can go get that or if you do have it, follow along. It's a, it's it, it'll be a lot of fun. All right, guys, we're sport of the country. We're heard everywhere. Podcasts are heard, and of course, we're on all the social medias. And I think we have a voicemail. We do, and it's 707-656-2080, 707-656-2080. Call us, leave us a voicemail, tell us a fun story about uh, about anything, really. We just want to hear from you. You can email us also at spoilercountry at gmail.com with any thoughts or comments on the show. Uh, if you have any, if you have a suggestion of who we should get on next for the next commentary track, you know, shoot us an email or, or voicemail, let us know. And uh, always, please, please, please check out our website, scpod.net, where we have all of our episodes plus reviews and articles and more stuff coming down the pipe there you go all right guys don't forget to open the mind read more all right see ya